I just, I love animals. Animals are my life. Animals are, I listen to the animals. They have a lot of things that they can, they can tell us, you know, about being human, about being a better human, being more humane to ourselves and the world at large. So I, you know, I've been doing this since I've been a little kid, you know, just connecting in with animals and talking with them and hearing about their lives and working with them. So it's, it's really, I don't see myself as special, it's just something that I've been doing for all my life. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I talk with fascinating, talented, and inspiring guests who reflect on the adventures and challenges of aging and who are living their lives with vibrance and purpose. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist, writer, and fellow Zestful Ager. I want to invite you to my brand new free webinar, Zestful Aging. Here's how you do it. Many of my clients tell me that they're stretched too thin with too many demands upon them. They are just worn out. In my brand new webinar, I teach simple and sensible habits that will significantly improve your life now and help you age with vibrance and resilience. But it's important to start now. Don't wait until your body's distress signals go from a whisper to a scream. If you follow me at all, you know I'm not about restrictive diets or boot camps. I believe life can be challenging enough. Let's appreciate our bodies and minds for the miraculous systems they are and take the time to take care of ourselves. Self-care pays big dividends now and in the future. And being well ourselves is the only way we can help those we love. And if you sign up now, I will send you my super zestful aging checklist, which I designed so you have clear guidelines right at your fingertips. The webinar is free. You can sign up at NicoleChristina.com. And as always, I appreciate your feedback. Well, I have my Jack Russell Terrier Sparky right beside me and my coffee in my hand. So let's begin. Today we have Wendy Vanderpool, who is a pioneer in the fields of pet loss, grief support, and animal communication. She is a 12-time international best-selling author and the founder of Center for Pet Loss Grief. She is a certified life and end-of-life and grief coach and holds a master's degree in wolf ecology. And Wendy has run with wolves in Minnesota, coyotes in Massachusetts, and foxes in her backyard. A warm welcome to you, Wendy. Oh, thank you, Nicole. I'm so happy to be here. I am so intrigued by by what you do both professionally and just who you are as a human it sounds like you have a really unique gift (laughs) that's so sweet um yeah i mean i just i love animals animals are my life animals are um you know just i listen to the animals they have a lot of things that they can they can tell us 
you know, about being human, about being a better human, being more humane to ourselves and the world at large. So I, you know, I've been doing this since I've been a little kid, you know, just connecting in with animals and talking with them and hearing about their lives and working with them. So it's, it's really, I don't see myself as special. It's just something that I've been doing for all my life. It's like who you are. It's who I am. Yeah. 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 What was your first experience realizing that, wait a minute, I have a gift here that other people may not also uh, have? Yeah, I would say, I mean, I've, my mom, you know, reminds me that I've been doing this since I've been five years old, talking to animals, she would look out the the window, the back window, and she would see me sitting on a log in the, you know, in the woods behind her house, and there'd be a squirrel on the log, and I'd be in deep conversation with this <laughs> animal. <laughs> so she reminds me of those stories. I just figured everybody did it. You know, this is not, it's not, a, you know, it's not different. This is the way it is. But I would say it didn't really happen again. I mean, I gave it up when I was a a teenager because then oh my gosh you were totally weird and and uh it was all about you know makeup and hair and shopping yeah (laughs) fitting in being a jersey girl you know (laughs) um and it wasn't until i was doing my work as a wolf biologist and i was out in the field and many times i was by myself and you know, checking on our study animals in in the wood, you know, in the field and so on and so forth. And I would start to get these sensations and these conversations, internal conversations. And I paid attention to them, but not a whole lot again, you know. Uh Um, And it wasn't until then, you know, I kind of knew what it was, but it says, oh, well, you know, this is just part of you know being in the woods you know you you get sensations in the woods was it a sensation like help me understand what this feels like is it you know having a conversation with somebody else does it have a different quality than words yeah it does animals like to communicate with us via pictures Mm -hmm. that's the main and the easiest so basically I would get a movie camera, you know, I mean, not a movie camera, a, you know, a, a, like a, a movie, film. a film happening. And I was, I remembered when I, in one story in particular, uh, one of my jobs, and I'm, one of my jobs, which I didn't really like, which was I radio collared wolves to, and so one way we did that is that we would live trap them. Mm-hmm. and then tranquilize them and put the, the collar on them. And we had an animal that got, unfortunately, got injured by the trap. So I was dealing with that. And I heard, I, I heard, but I also felt, and I also started, the first thing I saw was the animal, the pack, the wolf pack. And in my mind, in my mind's eye, I saw exactly where they were placed. So their pack, you know, that was my first thing. You don't, wolves are so, wild wolves are so incredibly quiet. I couldn't, when I stopped and put my thing, you know, my 
my equipment down, I couldn't hear it. But I could also sense it and I could also smell them because, you know, in Minnesota, it's pretty hot and, and you can smell wild animals fairly easy. And I was just seeing this picture of deep concern and this gut feeling was, I really have to take care of this wolf big time. This is a really important wolf. You know, I wasn't practicing animal communicator at that time. At that time, I was a scientist. So I'm not, I wasn't working from that place. I was working from the science, a caring mm -hmm. scientist. Mm -hmm. So I said, all right, I'm going to listen to this for whatever, it, you know, for whatever it's worth. And excuse me, <clears throat> it just seemed to, it, then it just, it took off and it really developed in my lifestyle and in my professional world. When I left that field, because I didn't like the ethics <laughs> of it. And I felt like I wasn't doing well by the animals. And I, I had this aha moment that I need to really work and help animals one-on-one. -on -one. And that's when I became a massage therapist for humans, horses, and hounds. Mm -hmm. And I was working on a lot of um, performance horses and, and dogs. And that's when the animal communication really kicked in. Because you're really touching them. I'm touching I mean, them. It's a, it's a very right. intimate experience. Yes. yes, yes. And the people are there. So it's, it's a triad type of relationship. You know, me in the middle of the animal and the people. So as I'm getting sensations in my hands or pictures in my head, I would say to the people, you know, I don't know what this is, but this is what your animal is telling me. Would you like to hear it? And of course, people usually do. <laughs> and then, you know, it just, it, that's when I knew there was a, a thing called animal communication. There weren't people doing this in those days. It wasn't mainstream like it's becoming now. So there was like one person and her name was Beatrice Lidecker. And she has, you know, she had a book out and I read that book and I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. This, this is, is me. This, is, this me. is me. Right. Right. So it, and then, you know, then it moved into, and I love the way life, you know, as a, as a, as a woman, as a vivacious woman. And, you know, I'm 60, how old am I now? I'm going to be 64 in, in, um, December is I just love being open to life and how mm. things can change. And in my practice, I, my husband and I moved to a very rural area and I, was, I moved away from my show barns and my, my, my livelihood. But what happened, Nicole, which was really just so incredible and I wouldn't do it any other way is I moved it by default, I moved into pet hospice. Mm -hmm. So instead of having these high, high end athletes as my clients, I had the, the family members that were dying and people wanting to do something very, very special for their animal, i.e. get a massage, have energy work, just, you know, 
comfort comfort Mm. and by default I became part of the family I became part of the team for these animals and these families and I would work with these animals and these families or individual once a week and I'd go to their barn or their animal would come to me and I'd give them hands-on quality work to help them with their stress or their pain. Mm -hmm. And while this was going on, people were asking me about grief Mm -hmm. and how to do grief. And I wasn't trained. I'm a scientist. You know, I'm a massage therapist. I don't have training in grief. No one was doing it. So I had to find out how to do it. But you had experienced it yourself. Yes, yes, a ton of times. My own, my own um, losses, my own pet losses, and speaking with my veterinarians. And you know, at that time, I, you know, one particular dog, I reached out to a therapist. But again, that time, therapists didn't even really understand that I could find where I lived that I could understand how to deal with pet loss. Mm-hmm. How would you say it's different than grieving the loss of a human? Mm, it is different. Becoming a certified end of life and pet loss grief coach and working with people, I have one of the most common, common thread, and this is actually statistically proven that pet loss is usually more devastating than the loss of a human. Mm. The obvious is that our animals, even cats, you know, they give us something called unconditional love, which we all know about Mm -hmm. that people that have, have had animals have shared their lives with their beloved companions. And this unconditional love, 100%, is when we lose that as humans, it's really, really tough. And you probably know this too in your work is, you know, we, you know, we have people that we love, we have people that love us, but it's not the same as, you know, there is judgment there, you know, Mm -hmm. there is judgment. And it's not saying that this is right or wrong, good or bad, good or bad, it's just the human condition. Now, people ultimately will be disappointed yes. at some point. Yes. It's complex and, yes. and all of that. But there's a way, I'm thinking about it, you know, as you're talking, the relationship, there's a purity there. Yes, yes. Total purity. I, you know, I, my dogs, you know, I'll use my dogs, for example, you know, I come home, it doesn't matter what mood I'm in. They absolutely adore that I'm home. You know, <laughs> I have an excellent relationship with my husband. Hi, honey, I'm home. Okay, hi. You know, doesn't come down to say hello because he's in the middle of his work, you know. Yeah, sure. And, you know, meanwhile, my dog wants to crawl under my skin, you know. It's like, you. Yep. <laughs> so when we lose that... There's that piece of our soul. There's a piece of that connection that we have with feeling human and feeling loved and feeling connected Mm. on some level to nature, 
in our own nature and our own, you know, the outer ecosystem and the inner ecosystem of our worlds. So that's what's so hard. And that's what's so raw with pet loss grief. Mm -hmm. And what creates that chaos and that sense of, of, of losing our place in the world. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And that's, I see that over and over again. And it, you know, it, it's, it's not an easy or, or delightful thing to move through, you know, but once we do, once we do that grief work, we get to rescue our hearts. We get to rescue our hearts again from, from the grief and allow it to feel joy and, and have new memories and new connections and see the gifts that those animals gave us unconditionally. You know, what I see, and I know you must have seen this so much, is people being embarrassed by yeah. how much they love their animal and almost like they have to apologize. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like the world is divided into people who get it and people yes. who don't get it. Yes. If you talk to someone who's lost their dog, you know, you, you don't have to explain um, but I think that that's hard. I, I've seen that with my clients that they're mm -hmm. sort of like almost apologizing and saying, oh, I really miss, you know, my little Joey. Or, yeah. And it's, yeah. St it's been two years, but sometimes I still feel like I see him at the bottom uh -huh. of my bed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I talk a lot about that in, in all of my pet loss grief books in, in great detail. And one of the things is we have to find our people. Mm -hmm. It's pet loss grief is changing. It's becoming more accepted. Uh, businesses, corporations are giving pet loss grief days. Mm. Um, yeah, which is awesome. There are more and more support groups coming up, you know, here and there online at veterinarians offices. And that is what I really talk about a lot is how to find your people. And it's, they're probably going to be people that are not your best friends or your family members. <laughs> These are going to be the least expected and pet loss grief does not need to be done alone because there are people out there and willing and understand it and are not going to look at you with like you have two heads. Or three heads. How, right. How you know? do people access those, those uh, like-minded people? Yeah. Well, if you're on the internet, uh, I have a great Facebook group that people can ah. join. And it's, it's petmemorials.centerforpetlossgrief. And we're a nice, a small, active, supporting group. And we help each other. And it's really nice because people, they can feel at home there. There are so many things on Facebook. If you're, again, if you're on online and you're on Facebook, the other thing to do is call veterinarian schools. Mm -hmm. um, some veterinarian schools are getting with the program. Colorado, Tufts, they're getting mm -hmm. with the grief program and they actually have training, which is awesome. Um, doing a Google search, pet loss grief groups, calling okay. like calling local veterinarian offices, 
Um, and Cornell also. We're, yes. We're in upstate New York, and I know Cornell um, advertises that as well. So yes. you're encouraging people to take, really take part in that and not yes. feel embarrassed. Exactly. 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 And, you know, to be aware of things, be aware of things that trigger your grief. And again, I talk about this in the book and how to deal with this. People are, you know, even though, you know, people want to help and be compassionate, there are some things that people may say that may trigger your grief. And if it doesn't feel good to you, if you're feeling, you know, if you're experiencing that or have experienced that, if it doesn't feel good to you, know that, trust your intuition, check, you know, trust your feelings and your emotions and don't hang out there, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> right? And keep looking. And that's, you know, I tell that to my students that are learning to become pet loss grief mentors is, you know, when, you, when you're reaching out with your people, help them by discovering what group is appropriate for them because not all groups are created equal and okay. you know and it's it's find a moderator find, that knows what they're doing because i i have seen so many groups that people just say oh i'm just i'm just going to open do this group and they're not trained Mm-hmm. And sometimes yep. they can do more damage. So definitely do your homework. Make sure the person that's leading the group is, is a, you know, a psychotherapist or a end-of-life coach or that really understands um, a veterinarian, a you know, mm-hmm. social worker that really understands pet loss grief. Uh, it, it, talk to me about how losing a beloved pet might be different for you know our audiences mostly women 45 mm-hmm. and over mm-hmm. how does is that different than um other stages of of life losing a pet in other stages of life that's a great question nicole and it it really depends on the individual <clears throat> and the and unique experience they have or had with with their companion. I'll give you one couple scenarios. Grief takes work. That's number one. And as people, if you want to move through grief, we got to show up, you know, <laughs> as, and it's just part of being human. <clears throat> the thing is, is it, and again, I'm not making a judgment. I'm not saying this is right or wrong because everybody has their own journey in life. And I totally, totally, Totally respect that. But let's use the example of someone that has maybe experienced, you know, three or four episodes of varying type of grief. Their children leave home, you know, for college. Mm -hmm. There may have been a divorce. Um, Moving away from a home that you loved, moving to a new area, not having friends. Say we have an example of a person going through those types of grief, never dealing with it, and throughout the stages of aging, they have their only thing that's, you know, their only companion left in in their home is the 16-year-old cat that grew Mm -hmm. up with the kids and went through, you know, the cat dies. 
what can happen in that situation, and you know this as a therapist, is we have the unresolved grief and all of a sudden this pet loss is huge, mm-hmm. absolutely huge, because the work, you know, wasn't acknowledged. The grief, you know, wasn't acknowledged and it was basically kind of, and we all do this, I've done mm-hmm. this myself, is mm-hmm. we stuff it because mm-hmm. it's ugly. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. Who wants to go there? We want to feel good. So we push our grief under the rug. But as we age, if we if we have that those that type of grief, the pet loss can be more intense with that situation. Or say we have, you know, superhuman superhuman Sally you know, <laughs> who has the same situation, but she took grief by the hand and said, all right, you know, hi grief, you know, okay, so my kids go to college. Kids do that. That's their life, you know, so, okay, I'm divorced. All right, so grief, let me have it. I'm going to mourn my grief. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to go through it and I'm going to learn. It. I'm going to become friends with grief. All right, then the, then the, the, the cat or the 16-year-old the companion dies. Will that person still feel grief? Yeah, of course. Will that person have as much grief? Probably. But will they have the tools? Yes. Mm-hmm. So the difference is between the first example and this example is the second person has the tools. So they will be able to recognize, okay, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm biking, you know, say this person's a cyclist, right? And she's biking and she all of a sudden starts thinking about her companion is gets really, 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 really angry, gets off her bike and says, all right, okay, this is a normal feeling. I'm, you know, I'm going to go in the woods and I'm going to scream, you know, (laughs) this is how I'm going to deal with my anger. So it's recognizing the stages, the emotions, what's normal grief, what's abnormal grief. Mm-hmm. Knowledge is power. That's a corny cliche, but it's so true. And it, it filters into pet loss grief as well. Hello, Zestful Agers. First, I want to thank you so much for your enthusiasm and interest in the podcast. Words cannot really describe how fun it is to make this for you. We are now in the tens of thousands of downloads and Zestful Aging is still very young. We've heard from inspiring women from all over the world and I hope it has made your life richer and helped you be more zestful as you navigate aging. In addition to being fun, making a weekly podcast is a surprising amount of work. So I want to encourage you to become a patron today. It's the way I can continue bringing you in-depth, thought-provoking interviews without sponsorship, aka commercials. And I've added a special free gift just for being a listener to the podcast. It's called my 
best ever self-care manual. And again, it's based on research and my 25 years experience as a psychotherapist. So hop on over to patreon.com slash zestful aging and download the free manual. And while you're there, donate what you might pay for your cup of coffee today. It will make you feel good. I promise. You talk about the tools, and um, uh, I know that one of the things that you help people with is writing love letters. Yes. Could you talk a little bit about that? Oh, yes. Love letters. I love love letters. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. They're the best. And these can be done at any time. They can be done during pet hospice. They can be done after your pet dies, they can be done 10 years, 20 years, 50 years later, it does, it does not matter. And I encourage my clients and your listeners to get out a piece of paper and start writing if you so choose. What love letters are wonderful for is, and I, probably the, the best healing, I mean, there's many different things that I use love letters for with my people, but one of the most common feelings that we have when we lose a companion is guilt. That's mm. right up there. That's like 99.999% okay. is guilt. I should have done this. I could have done this better. I feel so guilty for making the choice to end their life. I feel, you know, I should have taken Fluffy out for a walk when she was standing at the door, but instead I felt like, you know, flipping through Facebook, you you know, all of those guilt feelings. So I have my people and I encourage anyone that this is, you know, that light bulb is going on with is you can write your apology letter. You can write your love letter with an apology. And grab a picture of your pet or think about your pet and read it out loud. Mm-hmm. It is such an incredibly healing, healing tool to do. And in your work with communication mm-hmm. um, and, your, and your medium work, do you have a sense that they, part of them, their essence, are there to receive that? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> What is, can you, can you give like a, a little story about that, what that looks like and, and maybe sure. what it feels like? Sure. Um, okay. Let me think here, which one in particular I wrote a, I actually have a book around that's called animal wisdom and it, it, it deals with, um, with the love shared between the person and their animal. And I'm just trying to th- pull up one mm-hmm. that's really clear you know that that is significant but i'm thinking about a situation where i also get invited to euthanasias Hmm. so you don't hear those two words together too often no you don't no but it it is i feel very honored when i am because Mm -hmm. i hold a very you know sacred space for the family as well as for the animal and, and it's wonderful to work with vets that are are open to having me there and one of the things at euthanasia is people are really afraid 
there's a lot of fear of make and making the right decision. Mm-hmm. I help people communicate with their own animal, just you know, to to feel you know, to feel it with me. And the animal, it, I'm not guiding this by any means. It's the animal that's guiding it. And this, you know, this is what your animal would like you to do. Your animal would like you to, you know, you sit here, you sit here, and you sit here. Mm. And maybe I'm thinking of this one, the most recent one was this basset hound. And he wanted everybody to hold a paw. Mm. So, and that's what he said. Please tell my people that I want everybody to hold my paw as I move over, you know, as I transition over. Mm -hmm. And so it's little things like that. Or they'll ask me, could you put your hand on my back? Could you put your hand on my hip? Could you, Mm. you know, put your hand on my head? Could you have my mom put her head on my head? Mm. Um, So they show me that and they ask me that and they'll have special requests. Can you maybe you know, massage my shoulders. <laughs> mm. and, um, and they're aware that they are going. To yes. Be, yes. They are. They are aware. Yes. And I have never, ever, ever had an animal say to me, I don't, it's not time. Mm. And part of that is because we, I work very closely with, with, I'm not a veterinarian. I don't make those decisions for people, but I will help people with where their their animal's energy is at because that's up to the veterinarian and and the pet person not me mm-hmm. <laughs> but i can gu- mm-hmm. i can guide that from what the animal is saying when you have had one of these incredibly emotional and mm. touching sessions What's the rest of your day like? Do you have to go take a nap or be in nature or rest? I mean, it sounds like such a powerful and deep experience. Oh, I love that question, Nicole. That is such a great question. I can't imagine you just saying, okay, I'm going to go grocery shopping now. And, you know, I mean, it just those two things don't go together. They don't go together, but in some ways they do. I love to grocery shop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like putting groceries away, but oh man, put me, set me loose in a grocery store. Yahoo. Okay. Um, but I talk about pa- um, compassion fatigue. Mm-hmm. and burnout. And I talk mm-hmm. about that in my book for pet care professionals. And I work with veterinarians all over the country and vet techs and how to be end of life safe is what we call it. Do I get compassion fatigue? Oh, yes. Do I have moments where I could feel like I'm approaching burnout? Yes. Mm-hmm. But I have to take care of myself. And the times when I forget to take care of myself, if I have something, you know, if I have a book deadline or something and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not meditating, I'm not preparing the energy, I'm not disconnecting from the energy when I'm done mm-hmm. is yes, it can be really intense. I see this as one of my jobs is I hold a container. Mm-hmm. I hold a space, I hold a container. And what goes in that container is, is in that container. So while I'm there, I'm not, I'm 
organizing the container. I'm, I'm working with the animal to fill that container, but I don't take that container home with me. Mm -hmm. That sounds like something that you would learn um, by experience. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, I, my morning, if I'm going to say tend to euthanasia, that's all I do as far as pet loss grief for that day. Mm. That's okay. it. That's and, all. And That's how all. would you and how would you prepare? So you would you would be meeting your clients and the animal at the vet mm -hmm. or not necessarily. Not necessarily. They... So what I do is I, I get up depend you know depending on the appointment is. I get up, I do my meditation, I do my writing, I do my exercise, I take care of me. Mm -hmm. And I you know, I eat well, mm -hmm. <laughs> healthy, no, mm -hmm. no sugar, no caffeine, because I, I know that sets off my anxiety. So um, that on a day like that, I'm not going to eat any sugar or caffeine. I also connect in with my spirit team. So I do that at home and I connect in with the people spirit team when I'm home before the appointment and I connect in with the animal. When I arrive at the either veterinarian office or at the home. I go, you know, I, again, I am always constantly checking in on my spirit team, mm -hmm. making sure I have my team with me, you know, who's going to help me be end of life safe. It's, you know, my spirit team who never gives up on me, who's got my back. And these are, these are, this is a team that you've worked with for a long time yes. or that, yes. okay, so you, you, you're familiar, they, you know them, they know yes. you. Yep. Okay. Yep. 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 And so then, you know, you know, then the process begins and do I get emotional? Yeah. I cry, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't take over because it's not my space, but I, you know, again, I ha usually have had or still, ha you know, and obviously still have a very close relationship with this family. Um, when I leave, I disconnect from that container and from the energy. So I, I have a little mantra, a little prayer that I do before I leave the room. And it's like seconds. It's not, this is not like a long drawn out thing where I disconnect mm -hmm. from the animal and from the people. And I thank everybody, you know, and then I go back to managing my energy. So I sometimes do grow grocery shopping because mm -hmm. it makes me happy. I go swimming. I go dancing. I, I go home and I read a book or you really shift gears. I shift gears. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I usually find that I do have to have a moment, a meditative moment at some point after that to reflect mm -hmm. and to process my own grief, <laughs> you know, to do the work. It's like, wow, you know, I really miss Fluffy. I, this, mm. this stinks that I'm, you know, I'm not going to go to Fluffy's barn next week and Fluffy's not going to meet me at my car when I drive up to the barn mm -hmm. and be panting for his massage. You know, that really stinks. So I look at how I'm feeling, what stage of grief I, I'm in, what are my feelings of grief? And I have written love letters. Mm 
you know, to, to my, my, my dogs and my cats and my, my horses that were my clients. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a, it's a big day. It's a big day. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about New Hampshire and how I know things have changed a lot since I've lived there, but it's a pretty conservative state. Yes. And I'm wondering uh, if there's some people who don't understand your work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I have people, it happened, and the reason it's, it's very new, I was at a, um, an event, not a um, not in my uh, professional work, but I was in a, um, at an event and people were asking me what I do and somebody started to laugh. Mm. And, you know, probably my early years, I would have gotten really offended by that, but I didn't. I, got, I you know, being in my 60s, I've been around the block. I have some right. wisdom, you know. <laughs> That's the sweet side. Right? That's the sweet side. I love yeah. it. And I just, I had compassion for this person. And I was, I felt like, oh, you know, you know, any, you know, he was a staunch New Englander. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I felt compassion because he didn't get the beauty. Mm -hmm. he, you know, he saw the weirdness. But, as, but here's the beautiful thing about this, Nicole, is that as the weekend was going on and people knew what I did and, and, you know, we were talking and having great conversations and he was there, he actually then started to talk to me about it. And I didn't acknowledge his, you know, his laughing at me. I didn't, I didn't pay attention to it because mm -hmm. why, you know, it's not going to do me any good. It's not, you know, <laughs> um, so I just didn't pay attention to it. But by the end of the weekend, he was actually starting to ask me questions, which was really quite nice. That's very yes, interesting. Yes, yes. So, but I, you know, I, tr I, I do most of my work um, online. Ah. And I have people, there are people that we are, you know, in New Hampshire, there, we are, we are there, you know, that have compassion for our animals and, and uh, you know, that want to do something special for them. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do travel. Yeah, 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 it sounds like. Yeah. Do you, um, uh, you know, there's some people who really believe in uh, spirit animals mm -hmm. and that some animals have a particular message for us. Like, for example, I know you have uh, spent time with coyotes. Mm -hmm. And um, do, you, do you believe that certain animals signify particular things? Is that something that you've experienced yes. as well? Yes, you mm -hmm. yeah. Part of um, the work I do is I help people find not only their spirit team, but also their spirit animals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are many books written about, you know, spirit animals and what they signify. My work, what I do, like my, say like, okay, my coyote, my wolf, my, you know, my spirit animals um, mean something very specific for me. Mm. Whereas if you have a wolf as a spirit animal, it would mean something completely different for you. So it's very unique. And 
you know, we most of the time what I have found in my practice is we have five five spirit team energies and we have five spirit animals that work with these specific energies. And they stay with us for life. They come with us when we're born and they stay with us for life until at the end of our life and then we get a whole new group. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's pretty, it's um, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yes, definitely. So um, the other day I was walking my dog as I do a lot and I saw a coyote, which mm. was such a, it's just, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of canines. What can yes, I, yeah, I know, right? They're so impressive and Aren't beautiful. They? Yes. And so I guess the question I have for you is, would that be a time to interpret, okay, what are you saying to me? What's sure. the message? Sure. And then you would sort of listen in. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. We, you know, we have animals that come into our lives every single day. And that doesn't mean that they are part of our main spirit team. They could just be a guide. And they come in and like you know, say your coyote came in for that day, to the, for that moment to say, uh, check me out, I got a message for you. Mm -hmm. And it could be a very simple message as to, you know, are you looking at your resources? You know, are you, you know, are, are you seeing all your resources for you? Are you, are you comfortable with how you're surviving? in this world and in your environment or in your practice or you know whatever in your life purpose mm -hmm. um yeah and it could be anything it could be a wasp it could be an ant it could be mm -hmm. you know an elephant no matter where mm -hmm. you know animals come in and people come into our lives for reasons and to mm -hmm. you know help us with some of the things we need to work on yeah yeah wow Lots of really great stuff. Is there a way to, um, I, I feel like this might be a tough question, but is there a way that people can communicate to their animals how important those animals are to them besides the usual sort of petting and scratching and treats <laughs> and stuff? Is there is there something that you do to really connect on a deeper level with your pets and I'm talking about people who don't necessarily have your gift for intuition and uh -huh. you know and being a medium yeah that's a great question and um it's it's multi-leveled <laughs> <laughs> um we all we we do all I'm not special all right the reason why I do what I do is because I made a choice to to exercise it and develop. It's like going to the gym, mm. right? I, I exercise. I, I practiced. I practiced hard. I I drilled, so to speak, my connections. I learned how to listen and interpret my messages that I was getting. Um, so it's something that we all innately can do because we have it in our DNA It's part of it's one of our senses to be intuitive but we've lost it because we're not we're, we don't need it to survive but in my opinion we do need it to survive <laughs> and it's being drowned out more with yes so much noise it is it is it is so 
yeah, the petting is great. The treats are great. You know, our animals, of course, love that. But what I, when people contact me to, you know, for different, re, for various reasons, to work with them and their animal, most of the time the animal is just plain old darn frustrated that we as human beings are so thick <laughs> and <laughs> stubborn <laughs> and we don't listen to what they're saying. I, okay, for instance, you've got a, say you've got a counter surfer mm -hmm. and this was not a behavior that you had all the time, but all of a sudden you've got a counter surfer and you're like yelling at the dog, you know, and doing all this stuff. But in reality, when you have an animal communication session, this counter surfer is this new behavior is actually a signal that maybe, you know, you've got to get rid of that boyfriend or you've got to, you know, take your, your child aside and say, you know, I don't like the way um, you're, you know, you're talking to me or, you know, something like that. These are signs that they I give see. us. If we don't listen to that, that, that counter surfing can become a behavior um, that we just, you know, we, you know, they can do just so much. This is what I see and what I hear in communication sessions. Um, my forte is more on the health, you know, what animals um, like, you know, what they need for their health and how that corresponds with the person's health. It's kind of interesting in that way. Mm -hmm. um, for me personally, you know, again, I'm human. I'm only human. I don't walk around with, you know, talking to animals that I haven't been invited to speak with. So when I, when we, I got my new dog, Addie, that was definitely divine intervention, that whole thing. And I was going to do it a little bit differently with her and with training and with listening to her. And I see, you know, she's my study animal because mm -hmm. <laughs> I have her every day. And I have seen the difference of what I, I'm very active in obedience training and scent training and agility with her. But I, it's on her terms. I don't push. I make sure we're connected before we go. My, she's very, she's very intuitive, and she, she's very sensitive, and she takes in every single, all the energy around her, which then affects her. Before I show up for a class, I do a hands-on or a mental energy clearing with her and a buffering so that she doesn't absorb it. If I forget to do that, which I do sometimes, mm -hmm. is I see the difference. I said, oh darn, that's why she's not doing because I didn't, I didn't buffer her. I didn't prepare her. So I take her off to the side and I do the work and then she comes back. So it's, 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 it does not, you know, you don't have to be advanced. You don't have to practice it. It's, it's an awareness and, and breathing with your animal. Mm. Breathing with your animal and letting them have, have some control. 
I think sometimes as people, we, you know, it, it's, you know, we make the decision where to walk, how to walk, do this and that. And sometimes it's fun to just follow your, follow your dog, <laughs> see where they take you. You know, as long as it's safe, as long as it's, as long as it's safe. I mean, you know. Not where that porcupine lives. Again. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, or, you know, you're going to climb that tree after the squirrel. No, we're not going to do that. But, you know, sometimes it's fun to just do that. And, one of the things that I like to do is when, when I'm practicing with Addie at home is I do an energy connect with her. I basically do it. I, and we can, everybody can do this. That's listening to this is you just visualize tunnel vision and say you're doing, you know, your dog is 10 feet away from you and you have them on a, on a downstay. Mm-hmm. Take everything that's in your peripheral vision and just fuzz it out. It's mm-hmm. not there. And create a tunnel of energy, of vision, of clarity, that everything is in focus between you and your dog. Mm-hmm. And you keep practicing that, and you keep practicing that, and you will see changes. Have you read the John Katz book, How to Talk to Animals? Yes, I did. And I don't mean I, I read and then I forget. <laughs> it's, well, it sounds so much like oh, okay. so much like what you're talking about, this idea that the animals think in, in mm-hmm. images and mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. idea of projecting to your animal what you want to mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. And then they pick up on, mm-hmm. you know, probably scent oh yeah language you know there's yes. so many i don't have to tell you but yeah. the, it's so complex yeah it's it's so complex and um you know and and learning to that to res- respect that complexity is really quite beautiful and um, it just deepens the relationship, you know. I mean, we already have deep relationships with our animals, but this is just another way to take it to a whole other place and level. Does your husband share this gift? Yes, he does. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, very much so. He's a, a biologist, and he he gets paid to kayak and hike the woods and track animals and do all kinds of great stuff wow <laughs> so he often has many wildlife encounters and mm. when uh, we just had to euthanize our 16 year old cockatiel which was not fun uh not easy but when we were at the vet <clears throat> there were definitely signs that it was the right thing to do. And, you know, Rick was picking up on them and I was picking up on them. So it was, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel blessed that I, I have a husband that's into this. Yeah, well. I, I, it's such, I mean, it's such an important part of your identity. Yes. I think it would be hard to find, you know, to right. be with someone who didn't right. get that at all. Right, right. So, Ex- so, so about who you are at the core. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. Well, I feel like we could talk for hours and hours. Cause I know so much. You, you know, you're 
you do such interesting work, and I think the li- my listeners are going to really love hearing about this because it's sometimes they don't want to talk about it. No. Sometimes they feel a little bit, maybe even ashamed that exactly. they're still longing for the company of their, mm-hmm. you know, fluffy and mm-hmm. and that. Mm-hmm. So, is there any anything that you'd like to say, sort of to wrap up? Any advice you'd like to give? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to share with your listeners is, you know, when you're grieving, two things. One is about grief. When you're grieving, know it has a beginning. Grief also has a middle. But grief does not end, and that's okay. And so those feelings of, you know, you should be over it, or you might feel weird, you know, two years later that you're still grieving, that's okay. That's totally normal and that you're not alone in that feeling. And the other thing is, is for us women that have gone through menopause and life is great is, you know, most menopausal women, our our intuition is at its height. So, (laughs) yes, yes. So, you know, Listen to your intuition, ladies, because we've got it and and use it. <laughs> okay, I had not I had not heard that before. Yes, yes. Is there a particular reason why um, intuition is at its height after menopause? You know, I don't know. I just I I don't know the exact reason, but I've just have noticed that in myself how strong it became, and, and talking with other women. Mm-hmm. that are, you know, practicing intuitives and on some level, that how much stronger it became. It's probably a hormonal thing, right? Uh, uh, something, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The body isn't uh, maybe distracted by doing that whole, right. you know, ready for pregnancy. Right. And so it has more, right. more uh, bandwidth. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. That's a good way to look at it. We have more bandwidth. Right, right. <laughs> uh, where can people find you if they want to learn more about your work? Okay, I have two websites. I have one called centerforpetlossgrief.com. That's a great mm-hmm. place to start. Okay. Or you could go to my other site, which is my name, wendyvandepole.com. And Nicole, okay. you'll have that printed, I'm sure, so people can see yeah. that. Yes, I will. Yeah. I so appreciate oh, your no- wisdom. Great. It's just been so lovely to talk to you about all these aspects of our relationships with our pets and what they really mean to us and how important they are. Well, Nicole, I really appreciate you reaching out to me. And it was, I just love speaking with you too. I felt like I was speaking to a friend at a coffee shop. It was great. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. I love to hear from my listeners, so send me an email at NicoleChristina.com and tell me what you'd like to hear more about. I would also greatly appreciate if you could hop on iTunes and rate the show. Ratings help other people find the podcast so I can share all these good juicy interviews with others. I would also invite you to become a patron of the Zestful Aging Podcast. Hop on over to patreon.com forward slash zestful aging and consider making a small donation. 
you will be eligible for insider-only goodies and behind-the-scenes information, and it'll help you feel good knowing that you're contributing to the Zestful Aging podcast. I'll look forward to sharing more juicy interviews next week on Zestful Aging.